Does anybody know the significance of the number we're going to put up here? Here it is, 4,464,000,000. That is a number that actually really likely impacts all of us in one way or another. We might not know it, but this number is the estimate of how many search engine uses Google has a day. 4,464,000,000. That's over 2 trillion searches a year. 55% of searches happen on mobile devices like iPhones and iPads. 90% of online experiences actually start with a search engine. Do you know what that means? That means that instead of like going to the website, we go to Google. So much so that one of the most searched words of 2021 was YouTube. Instead of going to YouTube, we go to Google and type in YouTube. Second most searched word, Facebook. I think that's hilarious. You might not think that's hilarious. I think that's hilarious. How lazy are we? And we go to Google instead of just typing in one extra like letter to go to YouTube. And our search engines like remember what we, we are doing. It, this is hilarious to me. And I love me like a good search engine search. I mean, you can find out all sorts of fun stuff. You can you know, research top TV shows, recipes, how to do it yourself at home. We're used to kind of having information at our fingertips. We want to ask a question and have an answer right away. Here are real Searches that I put into a search engine in 2021. I kind of just went through my history here. Real searches that I put in. How do I fix my lawnmower engine? That wasn't specific enough in case you were wondering. But, and I still couldn't figure it out. Why is the sky blue? That was a real one. Where in the world is Carmen San Diego? Those are for people my age. Thank you. What celebrity was born on my birthday? Those are all real things that I search. And whether it's about families or jobs or what's going on in our world or hobbies or really even things of faith, it's okay to have questions. We all have questions and it's okay to search out the answers to those questions. But when it comes to things of faith, we have those questions, but we don't always know like how to ask the question or how to get the question answered. So that's why we're starting this series today called Search Engine. And we're going to ask these foundational questions, these really important kind of vital questions about our faith. And we're going to do our best to kind of punch them into the faith search engine and get some answers. And today, purposefully, we're starting with a really foundational question that kind of helps build the rest of what we're going to be talking about. It's kind of the bedrock to this series. Here's the question. Maybe you've asked it before. Why should I believe the Bible? Have you ever asked that? Ever thought about that? Like, why is this something that I should even pay attention to? Because the Bible is a big part of our faith, isn't it? It's a big part of what we talk about. We put it up on the screen. We talk about it. We highlight it. We memorize it. We underline it. We do all sorts of things like that. We even have something here at the Ridge called the Ridge Reading Challenge, and we'll talk about some today a little bit later. But before we go blindly and we say, hey, the Bible is important, read this, believe this, understand this, we're going to kind of start 2022 with trying to answer this question, why should I believe the Bible? Reading your Bible is actually one of the top five faith-oriented New Year's resolutions, going back to church, like how do I read my Bible. Those are in the top two things that we talk about all the time, but we don't necessarily do it. And in case you're wondering, yes, the Bible has an answer to this question. Why should I believe the Bible? 
2 Timothy 3.16, this is what it says. All scripture is inspired by God, so it's from God, is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. So it's inspired by God. God breathed. You might have heard that term before. That's where this comes from. It's useful. It helps us understand right and wrong. It helps us grow. It helps us change. All of that is great. However, using this verse is kind of cheating. And here's what, here's what I mean. It's using the Bible to talk about why we should believe the Bible, right? It's like when one of my kids asks if they can have a snack, and I say no, and they say why, and I say because I said so. And they're like, well, that's not a good answer. That's not enough. I mean, it is enough in our house. But that's kind of what this is, is like we don't want to just use the Bible to prove why it's important to read the Bible. So we're actually going to spend some time not necessarily quoting a bunch of verses, but we're going to spend some time kind of thinking about why we can believe the Bible. Now, if we do believe that the Bible is true, things like 2 Timothy 3.16 are amazing. But if we don't know, we don't know the reason, we don't know the answer to this question, it doesn't hold a lot of water, just the Bible tells me so. So I'm going to do my best to give you some tangible reasons why we should believe the Bible and get past a little bit, just the Bible tells me so. Now, before we do that, here's a question I want to ask you that you all have an answer to. Every single one of us has an answer to this. How do you approach the Bible? And I don't mean like, do you like on your tippy toes? That's not what I mean. Not literally. Okay. Like, how do you think about the Bible? Another way to ask it. Have you ever considered if the Bible is true or not? Some of us might go, hey, I grew up with the Bible. I went to church, you know, my entire childhood. I kind of always just assumed that it's something that we should pay attention to. It's something that I should read. It's something that I should, you know, kind of interact with. But others of us might go, well, I mean, I'm not 100% sure about it. Like, I grew up, I sang the song, Jesus Loves Me. I know it, that people say the Bible tells me so, but when I read it, I kind of feel like it's a cosmic buzzkill a little bit. Like, it has all these rules that I don't want to follow, or maybe there's some things we'd like to remove from the Bible. Like, we go, I don't know why it's in there. We kind of read past it. If we do read it, we'd like for it to feel a certain way or do certain things in our lives. I think it's important for you, wherever you're at, online, in person, wherever, to answer that question, like, in your head. How do you approach the Bible? Do you approach it cynically? with an open heart, an open mind. And what I'm asking you to do is just today, whether you've believed this for your whole life or you still don't believe this, just have an open mind today. And we're going to talk a little bit about why I believe the Bible is true. Because if the Bible is true, it is literally miraculous. It's a miracle. It's spectacular. And if the things in the Bible are accurate, it changes our lives. It gives us hope and joy and peace the Bible kind of illustrates why those things are true. And it's pretty amazing. So why should I believe the Bible? And like any good question, we're just going to answer the question with some other questions. Okay? We've got three questions we're going to kind of walk through to answer why we should believe the Bible. So here are the three questions. We're going to read, answer what is the Bible? Like literally, like what is it? How do we understand it? Make sure we're on the same page. Why can I trust the Bible? Like, why is it reliable? Is it true? Is it accurate? And what should I do with the Bible? If this is true, why I can trust it 
What should I do about that? So here's the first question. What is the Bible? Just a religious book? You know, something that we should read, something that's kind of nice, something that makes us feel good. So we post on Instagram, like, what is it? It's actually not even just one book. Isn't that interesting? I think it's interesting that it's more like a library of books. It's 66 different books, and each of those books are either part of part one, Old Testament, part two, New Testament. And the Old Testament is all about the people of God. It's all about the nation of Israel and God's relationship with his people and his plan for the world. That's what the Old Testament is about. And the New Testament is about Jesus on earth and then everything that happens after that in the church. So the question is, why isn't the Bible written like Harry Potter? Like That'd be a little easier to understand, right? Like, you start at a certain year in Jesus' life and like each book is a different year in his life, kind of like Harry Potter is and he gets the letter and he goes to Hogwarts. I'm getting my metaphors confused a little bit. But like, why isn't it written chronologically? Why is the Bible set up the way that it is? There are actually answers to all of those types of questions. Like it's not necessarily written exactly like that. And sometimes we, we get into the Bible and we get into the third or fourth book which is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. And Leviticus and Numbers are like, oh, they're heavy. You're like, I don't understand what this has to do with anything. Why should I read this? It doesn't take place in order. It's hard for me to follow. So we're going to spend just a second, just like two or three minutes, on a couple of answers to this. The Bible is 66 different books. They're all different genres of literature. Here's what I mean. This is a picture that represents the Old Testament. Here are all the books of the Old Testament. So there's the law. That's the first five books. Then there's the history of kind of Israel from a different perspectives poetry and wisdom. So that's what like Job and Psalms and Proverbs are about. Then there are major and minor prophets. And not because major prophets are more important than minor prophets. They're actually in order of how long those books are. Major means longer, minor means shorter. So it's not exactly in chronological order. You're right. But each of these genres, you read a little differently. Kind of like if you read uh, like a textbook and a novel, and a tweet. Those, you would read them all slightly differently, right? So we read these genres slightly differently as well. And take a look. This is the, the New Testament. We're going to break that down too. So the Gospels, those are about the life and ministry of Jesus. Gospel literally means good news. So they're all about Jesus. Acts is about church history. These are all letters then. Paul and Peter and John wrote these letters, and they are, they're called the fancy term. You go to a party and you're talking about the Bible, because I know that's what all of us do. You go to, oh, that's just me. So you, you go to the Bible and you're talking about it. The fancy term for that is epistles, Pauline epistles. It's never like impressed anybody ever, but now you have it in case you ever have trivia or something, okay? It's 40 different authors the Bible is. 1,500 years is how long it was written 66 different books like we talked about, and it's all one story. So here's my answer to what is the Bible. The Bible is the story of God's love for people and his plan to save the human race through Jesus. It's a story of God's love for us and how Jesus is the way he shows us that love. Now, have you ever watched a TV show with flashbacks in it? 
Like How I Met Your Mother, I really like that sitcom. It has all these flashbacks in it. This Is Us, anybody watch This Is Us and have these kind of flashbacks? And it, like, it's not always in time order. Or like any of the Marvel movies now, apparently. Like it's kind of hard to follow and we don't know what order things are happening. Now, what if you took one episode of like This Is Us, just one episode, like right in the middle, you plucked one out and you started to, like you watched all of it, would you completely understand what was happening in the show with just one episode? Like you'd be like, why is this guy young over here and old over here? I don't have all the context. I don't understand all of this. And sometimes that's what happens when we pluck a verse out of the Bible and we go, okay, I'm going to read this one little verse or I'm going to put it on Instagram or I'm going to do those things without understanding kind of the entirety of the Bible. That's why this is important to understand. It's because we don't remember the bigger picture. And so we pick up the Bible verse and we go, that's weird. And we just kind of move on. So my answer to what is the Bible is it's the story of God's love through Jesus. And that actually starts in the very beginning of the Bible. I think you can see that in Genesis 1, the first kind of chapter of the first book of the Bible. You see Jesus kind of being talked about. Now, there's a lot that I just covered, and I didn't even scratch the surface. There's so much we could talk about here. But if you don't have an answer to what is the Bible or do you never kind of understood how it was put together, I'd encourage you to go to something called BibleProject.com. Now, BibleProject.com has like podcasts and articles and videos kind of helping to explain all of these things about the Bible. Because here's the, here's the fact of the matter. We talk about the Bible a lot, but we never put in the energy to actually understand it. We understand so many things. Do you understand how much time I spent like studying fantasy football this year? I still got third, which is kind of ticked about, but, but we don't put in any energy into understanding the Bible or understanding the context of the Bible. So I'd encourage you, if you've never done that, that's a great place to start, bibleproject.com. So that's kind of the first question. What is the Bible? Here's the second question. Why can I trust the Bible? Is it trustworthy? Is it reliable? This is a fantastic question. If you've ever asked that question, awesome, well done. You're thinking critically. That's amazing. Like, how do we know that the Bible hasn't changed over time? How do we know the Bible is any different than the story of Iron Man or Batman or Superman? Because it kind of is presented in the same way, right? Like, Iron Man comes to save the world. Jesus comes to save the world. Like, we, we kind of think about it even in the same way. Is it reliable? Is it true? Is it a fairy tale? How did it come up? Those are all fair questions. This is a helpful question. And there are real reasons that we can trust that the Bible is true, that it's accurate. So we're going to go through three, just three quick reasons why I believe that the Bible is accurate. First, the Bible is unique. When you compare the Bible to like other religious texts, it, it stands apart. It claims to be the Word of God. I believe it is the Word of God. Other religious texts do that, but it is the only religious text that doesn't ask people, mankind, to save themselves. Isn't that fascinating? The Bible is the only religious text that comes down and like God does it for us, that we don't have to earn our way to heaven or to salvation or right relationship with God. We don't have to earn our way to peace or happiness or zen-like existence. 
Like the only religious text that talks about that is the Bible. And that's pretty unique. That's pretty amazing. The Bible spans 1,500 years, which is pretty unique as well. And authors were kings and fishermen and priests and government officials and farmers and shepherds. But that's not the only reason that it's unique. Here's kind of another reason that it's unique and another reason that I believe we can trust the Bible. The Bible is also incredibly consistent, like miraculously consistent. Check this out. So the Bible was written over 1,500 years, 40 human writers, most of whom never met each other, never interacted. There wasn't like, you know, like a club meeting for Bible book authors or anything like that. That'd be cool, but there wasn't. They wrote it all sorts of different places, prisons and palaces and, you know, all sorts of things, but it still carries one harmonious message. It's incredibly consistent from Genesis to Revelation, the last book of the Bible. It's incredibly consistent. Do you understand how amazing that is? I don't feel like you do. Have you ever played the game like telephone? You ever played that game? Like I could start on one side of this room and we could start with, I love you. And by the time we got over here, it'd be like, we love pizza and Peyton Manning is the best. Like that's real. It's really hard to communicate. Another reason that I know, I think my kids play telephone all the time. Like my wife, Abby over here says something and then they come and tell me. And I'm like, no way in the world she said that. First of all, we don't have a unicorn. So this isn't true. Like, what are you talking about? But do you see, if I chose a set of circumstances that would cause the Bible to fail, it would be, let's do it over 1,500 years with 40 different authors with different places and different backgrounds. But it's incredibly, incredibly consistent. That's compelling to me. It's miraculous to me. And here's the, here's the third reason. The Bible is accurate. So it's not just kind of consistent in what it says, like internally, and it's not just that it's unique, which is really cool, but those things wouldn't matter if it wasn't accurate. And this one is kind of a big one. This is incredibly important. So I'm gonna, I've been nerding out the whole time, but I'm going to nerd out again for you a little bit. Anybody heard of Homer's The Iliad? Not Homer Simpson, not Dolt, not that. Homer's The Iliad is an epic poem. It was written by a guy named Homer, 8 BC, so right around the time that Jesus was born. And maybe you've heard of it, maybe you haven't, but you've probably heard of characters from it. Odysseus, Achilles, Poseidon, Zeus, they're all names that are in this poem. But here's why I bring this up. How many manuscripts of Homer's poem do you think kind of exist about the Iliad. And they say that the Iliad is incredibly consistent. Like when you read each of these manuscripts, it's incredibly consistent, which is why we know that Homer wrote it and what he was trying to communicate. How many manuscripts do you think there are? 643. That's a lot, right? Like, oh, okay. I kind of see why they would see that being consistent. How many do you think there are of the New Testament? Any guesses? 24,633 manuscripts of the New Testament. And check this out. Of those, 99.5% are exactly the same. And the ones that aren't, there are some spelling errors, which if I were writing down a manuscript, there would be a lot of spelling errors. But also like they inverted words like Jesus Christ, they wrote down as Christ Jesus. Do you understand? It could not be more accurate. But it's not even just 
like over those manuscripts, the Bible's claims about the world and history have been proven over and over and over again. And that doesn't count fulfilled prophecies in the Bible. Like biblical writers made claims about future events centuries in advance. The Bible is unique, so unique, it's worth our attention. The Bible is consistent, so consistent, that it looks like it should be together. And it is incredibly accurate, historically, spiritually. So, what is the Bible? Well, the Bible is God's story of love that he gives us through Jesus. And is the Bible trustworthy? My answer to that is yes. So, what should I What should I do? Why does that matter? Because here's the fact of the matter. If you've been in church for a long time, or even a little time, like if you've ever thought about the Bible, we don't need to be convinced always that the Bible is important. We just don't read it. We just don't do anything with it. We do a little bit with it maybe, but not a lot. Right? See, the Bible is unique, it is consistent, it is accurate, and I believe that because of those things, it is trustworthy. And if it is trustworthy, we need to do something with it. Remember 2 Timothy 3.16, we're going to throw that back up. All scripture, all words from God are inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. So that's right and wrong. It helps us understand right and wrong. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. It helps us live in a way that honors and pleases God. And this one verse gives us an amazing approach of what to do with the Bible. Because if the Bible is inspired and it is useful, then this is what we should do with it. We should read it, we should believe it, and we should do what it says. That's super simple to say and really, really difficult for us to do. But I will say it is not impossible, and I think the Bible sometimes is more accessible than we think it is. There's more resources now for us to understand the Bible than there ever have been. So let's use the rest of our time. We're just going to break down these three things. So read it. We have something here at the Ridge called the Ridge Reading Challenge. And the Ridge Reading Challenge is verses or chapter a day, Monday through Friday, that we all read as a church together with the weekends to catch up. We actually do that on purpose. We don't want you to get behind and then quit and get discouraged. So we encourage you to join the Ridge Reading Challenge. And the new year of the Ridge Reading Challenge starts tomorrow with Genesis 1, at the very, very beginning of the Bible. And the Ridge Reading Challenge was designed this year by Reed, our Connections pastor. He put together a reading plan for the entire kind of overview of the Old Testament. So it's not every single verse or chapter of the Old Testament, but it's kind of the entire story being told in the Old Testament. And I think one of the best kept secrets about the Ridge Reading Challenge is that there is a Facebook group provided by the Ridge that encourages and supports the Ridge Reading Challenge. And I would encourage you, if you're doing the Ridge Reading Challenge, if you're thinking about doing it, if you want to fake like you're doing it, whatever, sign up for the Ridge Reading Challenge Facebook group. Here's how you can do that. We talked about that QR code already in this kind of morning time that we've, we've had Click on that QR code. It goes to a link tree. It goes straight to the Facebook group when you click on join and 
the Ridge Reading Challenge. Because the reality is, this is the biggest hurdle for us. We kind of know we should, we want to interact with it, we, we know we should be thinking about it, but it's really, really hard for us to kind of get started. So we want you to have a group of people to do it with. So I encourage you, sign up for that Ridge Reading Challenge, because all of that is with the purpose that I deeply want. We deeply want every single person who calls themselves a Ridger to read the Bible every day. That's my, just one of my heartbeats, one of my hopes for all of us is that we would read the Bible every day. So if you already do this, you already have an approach to this, awesome. Keep it up, way to go. But if you don't, or you want to do it in a different way, sign up for the Ridge Reading Challenge. Here's the second thing. Not only should we read it, but we should also believe it. Here's the way that I would explain this. Think of your very favorite, like, hamburger, okay? Here's what I'd put on it. I'd put bacon and cheese of multiple varieties, and I really like onions and mushrooms on mine, a little bit of barbecue sauce. Ooh, five guys is going to be busy after church today, all right? So you get, you get a big hamburger, okay? This is what you do with it. Take a big bite out of your hamburger, right? Ow. Spit it back out. Who does that? Nobody does that. That doesn't make any sense. This juicy, amazing, like God-honoring hamburger. And we go, ow. We would never do that. But that's what we do with the Bible. Like we read the Bible, and then we get to something we don't understand, or we get to something that makes us uncomfortable, or we get to something that we just don't know what to do with, and we just spit it right back out. But the reality is we need to take a big old huge bite out of that amazing juicy hamburger that is the Bible, and then we need to digest it. And I understand that that's a really weird image. But we really need to kind of dig in and not just kind of skate by it, not just check the box. But as we read it, we should also study it. We should look at it. And when we come across something that we don't get, we don't understand, we ask we research, we think, we study. We would do that about, you know, if Darren Waller is going to play today on the Raiders. I got that text a second ago. It really screws me up in my fantasy football. But we don't do that about the Bible at all. So here's the third thing. So we're reading it, and then we're actually believing it. We're understanding it. We're digging into it. We're studying it. And here's kind of the third thing. Do what it says. When you read the Bible, you join the Ridge Reading Challenge, you're choosing it, you're understanding it, you're digging in in a way that maybe you never have before. And I believe you're introduced to the hero of the Bible in a way that you never would have been before when you read it consistently. You start to understand who Jesus is why Jesus did and said some of the things that he said. You know, a lot of people think the reason why your life will change if you read the Bible is then you understand the rule book a little bit better. Have you ever thought that? Like if you read the Bible, like the rule book for life, I was even taught that growing up, that it's my rule book for life. And it does help us understand how to live. But the reality is the Bible is not really a rule book. If you, do, if you really dig in and you're really interacting with the Bible, it's a book about how you and I can have a deep and lasting relationship with God and how from the very beginning of creation, God has been on this rescue mission to save every single one of us from pain and sin and death and sorrow. That's really what the Bible is all about. So when we read the Bible, we're reading this 
epic rescue story of Jesus. And do you know what the Bible says happens when we read the Bible? It says we change, we transform. And the more you read about Jesus, the more you study Jesus, which is all over the Bible, even in the Old Testament, the more you see him, the more your life changes one degree to another degree through the power of the Holy Spirit and God speaking to you in your life. And any person who reads the scripture, kind of the word of God consistency, consistently, I think their life changes, not because the Bible saves us, but because Jesus saves us and the Bible points us to Jesus. That's why it's so important. So can you believe the Bible? My answer to that is yes. And if you do, if you apply it, I believe that we have the opportunity to experience things in a way that we wouldn't without it. That we can understand a fragment of joy and hope and peace that comes from Jesus that we wouldn't understand without the Bible. If you read the Bible, you'll see Jesus on every page. Now, the other day I was singing the song Jesus Loves Me to my youngest daughter. Her name's Ainsley. She's two. She's adorable and infuriating, all wrapped up into a ball. And so she's climbing all over the place, and she's doing all this stuff, putting her kind of to bed, and I'm singing Jesus Loves Me. You know that song, right? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Right? And I was thinking about it, and I said, you know why that's such an important song? Because it's true. But if we didn't actually like think about the reasons that it's true, if we don't have an answer to why should I believe the Bible, can I trust the Bible, have I ever thought about those types of things, then without, without the answers to those questions that we're asking, it's just a lullaby. No different than Ba Ba Black Sheep or anything else. And it started me thinking about, like, for the Bible tells me so. Because without knowing why we believe the Bible, for the Bible tells me so doesn't mean anything. Right? And the Bible tells me a lot of different things. The Bible tells me that I am loved no matter what. The Bible tells me to love my neighbor. The Bible tells me to treat others the way that I would want to be treated. The Bible tells me to give grace. The Bible tells me to be generous. The Bible tells me to forgive. The Bible tells me that even on the most difficult days in our life, even when darkness seems to be just like closing in, that we can have hope because we have the power of God in us. How do I know those things? Well, the Bible tells me so. The Bible tells me that Jesus loved me so much that he lived a perfect life and he chose to die on the cross to make my relationship with God right. He stood in my place and then conquered death three days later. And how do I know any of this? How do I experience peace or joy or hope in a way that exceeds anything that I can fully comprehend? How do I know any of this? Well, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible told me so. This is why understanding The Bible is as vital as it is. It's not homework, y'all. It changes our perspective on life because it's true and it's from God. And sometimes we say things like, I really wish that God would tell me and we don't read the words that he's given us. How do I know? 
that every single person here is loved? How do I know that every single person here is cared for beyond our wildest imagination? How do I know that we have strength and hope and joy in Jesus available to us? Well, Jesus loves me and you. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. I'd like to pray for us. Heavenly Father, I'm incredibly thankful. I'm incredibly thankful that you decided to communicate to us through words. Words that we can read and understand or translate it into our language that impact us, that give us hope. I'm so thankful for the reminder whether we've believed this our whole lives or whether we still aren't quite sure what we believe about Jesus and about all this church stuff and God stuff that you give us the ability to dig into real words that you have given us. And that through these words that you have given us, that we can read and we can study and we can believe that it changes who we are through your love, through Jesus, through the cross, that we can have access to this hope, that we can understand a little bit better who you are and what you're all about. I'm just so thankful for that. And I confess that sometimes I forget or I don't focus on it or I check the box when I read it or whatever. And help us this year, help 2022 be a year that we are not reading the Bible because it's a fun thing to do, or we feel compelled to, that we're reading the Bible so that we can understand and have a deeper relationship with Jesus that wouldn't happen outside of that. We surrender that to you. Help us. And we're so thankful for your love. The love that you show through Jesus, the love that you show through Scripture, the love that you've given freely to each of us. Thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.